Well, it is a great privilege to be with you today and now to have the opportunity to encourage and challenge you from God's Word. Uh, today we're going to be considering the chapter in the Bible that I think gives us the reason for doing what we're doing as Gospel ministers. Uh, 30 years ago when I told my boss, Bill Davidson, that I'd be leaving my job as an assistant works engineer at the Moree Plains Shire Council, and told him I was coming to study at Moore Theological College, he just shook his head in amazement. Uh, he said, Rod, you know, I've, I've known a handful of lucid people who've chosen to do what you're doing, but I have never understood it. He didn't get it. Um, he said, why would you do that? Well, great gospel opportunity, surely. Well, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something about... I believe that life was about relationship with God and I wanted to help others find relationship with God and that happens through trust in Jesus. To be honest, blank. He didn't get it at all. He just stood, he shook my hand and with that I left civil engineering and I came to study here at Moore College. Now I've often thought uh, back to that conversation and wished I'd explained better. Have you ever had that experience? You, you went, oh, I should have said that. But Today, in the final verse of 1 Corinthians 15, I think the Apostle Paul does explain it better because the truth is that resurrection is the reason that I did what I did. Resurrection is the reason. So look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. No doubt this is a pretty familiar verse to you, but let's just take some time this morning to pull it apart and consider the encouragement that it brings. Let's start by asking, what's the therefore, therefore? The context of this verse, of course, is the whole of chapter 15 before it. It's about resurrection. In verses 1 to 11, Paul says... Firstly, Jesus died and was buried and on the third day was raised from the dead and was seen alive by many, many eyewitnesses. Secondly, verses 12 to 34, Paul continues by asking, what is at stake if Christ has not been raised? Some answers. Well, our faith is futile. We're still dead in our sins. Our believing loved ones have perished. And we may as well eat and drink without regard for what God thinks is right and wrong, for tomorrow we'll die. Now, thankfully, none of those things are true because as Paul has already established, Christ has, in fact, been raised from the dead. Indeed, he is the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep, meaning that we too will experience resurrection if our faith is in him. Thirdly, verses 35 to 49 Paul now helps his readers to think about the nature of the resurrection body. He says it's like a seed that's sown in one form but comes up in another. What's sown is as perishable is raised imperishable. What's sown in weakness is raised in power. What's sown natural is raised spiritual. Which fourthly in verses 50 to 57 brings us to the incredible implication of all of this which is namely that death is not the end for the Christian believer. On judgment day, this will become clear to everyone. Here's how it'll unfold. The trumpet will sound. 
the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Our mortal bodies will become immortal. Death will be swallowed up in the victory that's been won for us through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so comes this outburst of praise in verse 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the resurrection is very, very good news indeed, isn't it? And that's what the therefore is there for at the start of verse 58. The reality is that this life is not all there is. Eternity is on the table. And it's right that we frame our lives in the light of it. Well, let's look then at what Paul exhorts us to do in the light of the reality of resurrection in the rest of the verse. Let's read again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable. What does it mean to be steadfast and immovable? Steadfast literally means firmly seated. Immovable literally means unshaken. So we must stay firmly seated on the firm foundations of the faith as delivered to us by Paul and the others inspired by God to write the scriptures. We must not be shaken from them. So when the sceptics attack us over the plausibility of the gospel, or when the progressives ridicule us for how out of step we are with the world around us, we must stand firm and let nothing move us from the truth that's given to us by God in his word. Now, I wonder if you've uh, felt the force of those assaults in recent years. You probably have at times in your parishes, conversations you've had with people who have lifestyles that the gospel challenges. Well, for the Christians, the attacks to the truth centred at that time on the reality of the resurrection. False teaching had brought into question important matters like forgiveness and eternal life and the need to live morally righteous lives in line with God's word. For us, the attacks come most directly at the moment over our Bible-shaped view of human sexuality. Sadly, the Anglican Church of Australia is at a bit of a crossroads at the moment on this matter, as you'd know. It's been brought into sharp focus by the desire of some Anglican dioceses to proceed with the blessings of same-sex marriages. Um, I was at a, my first uh, bishops' conference, and it was by Zoom recently, and uh, very green. <laughs> I was dismayed that the plain teaching of Scripture was being ignored by some. Whenever passages like Genesis 1... 27, 28, or Romans 1, 26, 27, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 were mentioned, they were not discussed. Rather than let the scriptures inform the debate, those of us who raised them were quickly shut down by emotional argument. Now, ironically, on that very same day, the Pope on the other side of the world, the Pope, the Roman Catholic Pope, who was, was dealing with the very same matter. Now, he's got an easier structure, hasn't he, to just make the statement as it goes, but he issued a crystal clear statement. He said, here's the thing, we cannot bless same-sex marriage because we cannot bless sin. He's right, isn't he? 
Now, I'm fairly new to the job as Bishop of Armidale, and when I mentioned the scriptures, uh, to be honest, I was probably seen at that bishop's meeting as the naive, new and evangelical bishop from the country. Now, that's okay. I'll wear that. That's okay. But one thing I know from my consecration service, which was just a couple of months ago, is that the scriptures must be foundational for the way I lead God's church. I promised in that service again and again to uphold the authority of the scriptures. Archbishop Glenn Davies asked me this question. Are you convinced that the Holy Scriptures contain all doctrine required of necessity for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? And will you instruct the people committed to your care from the Scriptures and teach nothing except what you are convinced may be proved by the Scriptures? I said, I am convinced and will do so by God's grace. Glenn then asked me, will you then study the Scriptures? and pray for a true understanding of them so that you may be able to teach and exhort with sound doctrine and be able to withstand and convince those who speak against them, I said, I will do so by the help of God. And so it went on. But it was crystal clear to me that the seat I must stay firmly seated on, the thing that I must remain unshaken from, is my commitment to the truth according to the Bible. Now, over the next year or two or, or three, you'll finish your training for gospel ministry and you'll find yourself in a world that's increasingly hostile to the Christian worldview. Pray now that God will strengthen you and this whole cohort to be steadfast and immovable, firmly seated and unshakable in your commitment to faithfully living by and teaching the scriptures. Pray the same thing for your new Archbishop, Kanishka, and for the clergy team in this diocese. If you've got time, pray for me as well. I'd love that. Because we're all going to need God's strength and protection in the days to come. Well, while we remain steadfast and immovable, what else does Paul exhort us to do in the light of the resurrection? Look, look at the verse again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work always excelling in the Lord's work. Now, what is the Lord's work? Well, Paul doesn't actually specify it here, but in the very next chapter, he does, I think, make clear what he's referring to. Look with me, if you will, across to chapter 16, verse 10. He says, If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while I am with you, because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. See, there's the phrase again, the work of the Lord, the Lord's work. Timothy was doing the Lord's work and it was essentially the same as what Paul was doing. So we can conclude that the Lord's work is basically proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus to unbelievable, uh, unbelievers. It's consolidating the faith of those believers through teaching them according to the scriptures and it's refuting false teaching as Paul has been doing in this chapter. Now, in the Armidale Diocese, our mission statement, as I said before, is introducing all people to Jesus and helping them home to heaven. That's what we're on about. It involves gospel proclamation to country communities all over the northwest New South Wales. We're doing it to introduce all people to Jesus that they might respond to him in repentance and faith. 
It involves helping those who do respond home to heaven by teaching them what it means to live with Jesus as Lord according to his word so that they stick at it until Christ returns or calls them home. Introducing all people to Jesus and helping them home to heaven, it's our mission statement, but it's essentially the work of the Lord, isn't it? Same thing. And as gospel ministers, we're to excel in it by giving ourselves wholeheartedly to it. Paul Barnett translates this, always be overflowing in the work of the Lord. Uh, In the NIV it says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Well, how have we been seeking to do that in the Armidale Diocese? Um, Another story, okay. I'm particularly passionate and excited about one area of the work of the Lord that's been unfolding over the last few years in Tamworth. Uh, It's the Coldale Front Yard Church. It's an outreach ministry to Aboriginal families in a lower socio-economic part of town. Started nearly 10 years ago with a Bible study group of five people in an Aboriginal man's home in that part of the, uh, the um, town. We'd just gather, we'd study the scriptures, we'd pray for the Coldale community. And for the following three years, we then would hold small front yard gatherings, just with a few chairs in a circle, a fire if it was winter. Anyone could drop in, have a cup of hot chocolate or a chat around the fire. Uh, kids might come, we'd read a Bible story with pictures for them. Uh, We'd pray for them. Essentially, it was a time of building trust. We'd follow up people where we could. In the fifth year, we started a front yard gathering at Auntie Lucy's place, which was just across the road. Now, she was not a Christian, but she was a person of peace and well-trusted in that neighbourhood. We ran it like a kids' church, and those early gatherings drew about ten people. So we'd we'd sing Collins songs... Uh, Colin Buchanan, anyone heard of him? (laughs) We'd read the Bible. Uh, We worked hard to deliver a short gospel message each week along with a simple meal. That gathering grew to 15 and then 20 and then 30 people. And now, a further four years down the track, we regularly have 90 to 100 people gather for Coldale Front Yard Church. (laughs) It's just... I just get so excited about the work. Unfortunately, I've had to leave it to others. But Jum Naden, who came to us from Moore College just two years ago, he heads up that ministry now. To be honest, he does it far better than I ever could. He is fantastic. You see him up the front there. The way he connects is just absolutely brilliant. Friends, I am so encouraged by that work now. But I can tell you, in the early years, it was very hard work. But that works a powerful reminder to me that we tend to overestimate what can happen in one year but underestimate what can happen in ten. Perseverance is key. Hard work is necessary for any new gospel initiative. But we do need, keeping to, uh, we do need to keep thinking proactively about how we're going to reach those who don't yet know Jesus in our communities. We've got to think outside the box and go to them. In the light of the resurrection, we must put in the effort to excel, to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Friends, phrases like this are why you're here at Moore College, aren't they? (laughs) The work of the Lord is what you're in training right now to do. What an opportunity you have here. 
learning from some of the best Bible teachers in the world, taking time to grapple with God, the God-breathed word that's the scriptures, wrestling with how the Bible can be effectively preached to, to God's people and then proclaimed to a world that's largely lost. What a marvellous opportunity you have. Make the most of it, won't you? Dig the well deep so that when you get out there, you can draw from it and faithfully reach out and feed God's people as well. In your student minister positions, prepare well. Serve wholeheartedly. Don't despise any task you're given. We're disciples who wash feet. Remember that? Minister means servant. Get used to turning up first and leaving last. Don't shy away from shifting the chairs or sweeping the floor. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And why, why should you do that? Look at the last part of the verse. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Yes, it will be hard. The word labour means toil. It means sweat will be involved, sometimes even pain. But we give ourselves fully to it, knowing that it's not in vain. Do you ever feel that your labour here at Moore College is in vain? You know, you ever wonder when the essay is due and you've got a youth group uh, talk that's a, a day away or a sermon, uh, you've got a sick child, you wonder if it's ever worthwhile? Well, I know there were times like that when I felt that way at college. Um, but, you know, in 25 years of parish ministry, I can tell you uh, there's been plenty of days like that as well. Days when I wonder if all the hard work was worth it. Mornings when the scripture class was more like a zoo and uh, no one seemed to be listening. Or evangelistic evenings where lots of work went in but very few outsiders turned up. Or Sundays when illness or depression made everything a slog. There have been many times like these when I found myself wondering if it's all in vain. And it's times like these... I need to read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 again and be reminded that resurrection is the reason that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, if Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again 2,000 years ago, then the truth is he is both Saviour and Lord. Sin has been paid for. Forgiveness is possible and resurrection life is a reality. The good news of Jesus must be proclaimed because this life is not all there is. The scriptures must be faithfully taught because eternity is on the table. The work of the Lord is not in vain because this is the way that God has chosen to rescue people from eternal death and bring them to eternal life. And that's why it makes perfect sense to persevere in gospel ministry. Let me tell you one last story to just finish and underline the importance of uh, sticking at it. Uh, you've just had an election synod uh, here in Sydney. This past week, I've been thinking of those four men who were nominated and praying for them every day because I know from recent experience how it feels. In that strange lead-up to the bishop's election in the Armidale Diocese late last year, I felt somewhat unsettled 
as did my staff team. But in that strange season, I was determined that whatever happened, we must not stall in getting on with the work of the Lord. Uh, my mother, Betty Chiswell, always used to say, when in doubt, do evangelism. <laughs> and so I decided in the five weeks leading up to the bishop's election, when all the talk was rattling around, that I would just run a final Simply Christianity course, if it was to be my final one. Well, we had five yet, five not yet Christian starters. So five non-Christians came. Uh, one of them was Gordon. He came to Christ. Uh, Gordon had been invited to uh, the church by a former Vietnam vet who'd come to Christ decades ago in our church. Gordon's in his mid-80s. <laughs> but the man who brought him along is now discipling Gordon and Gordon is going on with it. He's in church every week. His, his assurance is there. He's growing in his faith. Now, I'm not at St Peter's anymore, so I don't see Gordon much. But I'm looking forward to catching up in heaven. He's frail now. But in heaven he'll have a resurrection body, won't he? And so will I. This is good. Friends, praying a simple commitment prayer with Gordon in his lounge room late last year was one of the highlights of my last few months on the coalface in parish ministry. And it reminded me powerfully again that resurrection is the reason that we do what we do. It makes sense to stick at it. Let me read the verse again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord God, in the light of the resurrection, please strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to be steadfast and immovable. Uh, please empower us by your Spirit to always give ourselves fully to your, your work, O oh Lord. Well, thank you that our labour in that work is never in vain. So help us to stick at it for your glory. Amen.